0: Welcome to Canary and a Coal Mine. I'm joined by Christopher Young, who is with the Seattle Police Department. Christopher wrote a really just powerful op-ed for the New York Post, which I saw today, talking about what it's like being an SPD and the myths that surround policing in the U.S. Christopher, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. All right. Well, I just want to talk about the four basic things you covered. One was the fact that these, you haven't seen that they're mostly peaceful demonstrators. Would you care to expand on that?
1: Well, um, like every police officer in America, I worked for the protests over the summer. And in my opinion, they were very successful propaganda operations. They were peaceful, lawful protests during the day. um, Something I encourage. But at night, the intent was to antagonize the police into reacting and and claim that they're victims, you know. And, you know, the media kind of went along with that narrative. Um, So, yeah, they won that one. I mean, I think a lot of the public agreed that the police overreacted, but it usually was not based on evidence. Um, I saw protesters throw rocks and Molotov cocktails at officers, shine lights in their eyes, lasers in their eyes. I've had lasers shine in my eyes.
0: And have you had, I mean, I see some of your fellow officers have had some serious effects from that. Is that the kind of stuff you've had problems with or you were lucky enough to escape that?
1: Um, I just had it happen once. So my vision is okay for an old man, I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> Thank and, God for that. those lasers can hit a jet airplane miles in the air. So it can't be good. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I just, you know, in looking at this, you opened the article by saying that you have progressive thinking. Has the, the idea of decriminalizing drugs and what it's done to Seattle, has that changed your thinking on that at all?
1: Um, I mean, I, I'm left of center. Um, my, my views are a little bit complicated. You know, I, I, I think the black market of narcotics is unfairly affecting Countries like Mexico, where they have the cartel violence, so I feel the U.S. as consumers of the drugs need to do something about that black market that's causing all that violence. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm aware that drugs are dangerous and they're illegal for a reason. And but I would just like to see more of a harm reduction model, you know, with um, you know m- mandatory treatment and and try to Treat it more medically. I I don't want, you know, everything to be uh, chaos and people to use hard drugs anywhere they want, anytime they want. But I think uh, we need a more nuanced approach to it and and stop trying to arrest our way out of it. Um, I I know it's hard to do, and I know there's a risk that more citizens will get addicted, but the negative externalities of of the drug trade
0: uh, bother me. Do you think that perhaps some people won't get, I'm not saying arrest our way out of it, but do you think that some people don't decide to go to treatment until they hit rock bottom, like in a jail cell or somewhere else?
1: I've heard stories of that. Um, It's a complicated issue and I'm not an expert on that. It's just, I'm open-minded on that and I'm kind of left on everything. You know, I would like to live in a, you know, a Scandinavian-style welfare state and have government-subsidized health care, and I know a lot of cops may disagree with that, uh, but, uh, you know, I live in Seattle. I'm a product of my environment. Um, all day long, I've been been castigated by my fellow progressives for, for speaking to a Murdoch newspaper, and nobody really wants to discuss the actual policy and policing issues, if they're, you know, if they're really true or not, that police are these horribly violent monsters they just they want to burn heretics at the stake you know if i talk to to, to your outlet cuz it's right leaning i'm not progressive enough
0: well, that was what they said about me when I ran for city council, you know, <laughs> I was a pretty centrist fellow and got pretty much slammed over to the right just because after a while they were the ones that I fa- had the most in common with. For me, it was growing up in a family which knew Geraldine Ferraro, who's a former vice president candidate for the United States, who was a Democrat, being called a conservative was pretty entertaining at the beginning. And now it's pretty much just become, you see a lot of Democrats getting shoved yeah. to the right? Just because- I mean. The- I- P- heterodox thinkers like me,
1: you know, are kind kind of homeless. <laughs> so, and I think everybody, a lot of people, have experienced that. Um, I mean, at four years of Donald Trump—he's a bit of a divisive character. Has made the left go kind of insane. Mm-hmm. So they really don't tolerate anybody not on the line right now. Um, <laughs> you know, when Obama was in power, the right went a little crazy. So eh, it's just politics. Um, But, you know, my motivation to to write that piece was to push back at some of the talking points that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't really follow policing issues closely. And and these points of, oh, the police are militarized and all these things are just repeated over and over again without any pushback till people just assume they're true. Right. Uh, And if you go up against that, you know, you get called a Nazi. Uh,
0: disagreeing, you
1: know, with those characterizations of the police.
0: I get called that a lot, and I'm an Orthodox Jew. Uh, (laughs) Something that was interesting to me was your discussion about people who say that SPD is militarized. You know, I always thought if they were militarized, we'd see tanks rolling through town and heavy armored vehicles, which we just don't, and you address that in your article.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm a combat veteran from the Persian Gulf War. I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, And, you know, we are are lucky to live in a country, yours and mine, where we have civilian policing. If we didn't have civilian cops, you'd have to call up the army if there was some maniac on the loose with a gun. And I don't think they would use as much restraint as civilian police. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, this abolish the police and defund the police, which I consider kind of the same thing, because if you want to, if you want to actually make policing dysfunctional and brutal. One way to do it is to starve it of resources, make it so bad that everybody's like, yeah, we just need to get rid of this. So I I think it's a dangerous direction. Um, And, you know, it's, it's people, you know, people who are more moderate are considering it now. So be careful what you
0: wish for. Right. And we see the effects of that in Seattle, where crime has just gone out of control. And it seems to be predicated on this false narrative that you also mentioned in your article about police killing seemingly being rampant, according to the media, if you listen, or according to the activists, if you listen. And that's just not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's based on anecdotal evidence. Um, like everybody else in the country, I was horrified when I saw the George Floyd video. I, to be honest with you, I, I couldn't make it through the eight minutes of the video. I thought, oh my god, what is this cop doing? Get off of him. It was, I felt sick to my stomach. So that is one incident in one city, and you're going to have bad people when you have hundreds of thousands of people doing a job. You're going to have bad people. You're going to have bad lawyers, bad doctors, and uh, and today with everybody having a cell phone uh, camera in their pocket, when police do something awful, it's gonna get on the news, but it doesn't reflect
0: the hundreds of thousands of other cops doing a good job and serving the community. Right, because you know how many cops there are across the country and they never, just like you say, they never tell the story of the good ones or rarely do. And instead it's just focus on bad, bad, bad. And we saw what happened in Seattle the last point that you brought up in your article, which I thought was great, was the it goes from abolishment leads to lawlessness. And as soon as you, I guess for lack of a better word, emasculate the police department the way that's been done to the Seattle one, just look at what's happened to crime here. Look how it's gone through the roof. And everybody was united in the fact that what happened to George Floyd was wrong. And I don't think there was anybody in the country who thought that should be you know, support in any way, shape, or form. And yet we have jumped off the cliff to this whole defunding thing and look at the crime it's led to in Seattle.
1: Yeah, and, and the av- activist pushback would be, well, crime overall in the past 10, 20 years has gone down dramatically. Well, true, but you can undo that. And for example, in Seattle last year, 2019, we had 28 murders in the city, a city of 750,000 people. That's pretty good for a U.S. city. This year, we're up to 55 last time I checked. I haven't, I don't have the latest info, but it's, it might double this year. I think it might think be Nine
0: already, actually.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that um, we've had all this chaos all year.
0: Yeah. Um, it's it's so, so sad. We see this insanity happening. We see the CHOP zone, the CHAZ zone, whatever they called it in Seattle. We see the results of what's going on. And meanwhile, we could have all been on the same page. I think that if the riots and protesting hadn't happened, so many people would have jumped onto the cause to say yeah. reform the police, whatever it was, and they undid their own narrative. The narrative is
1: the reform doesn't work and the facts just don't back that up. Um, I, in my article, I put, New York Police Department statistics because they publish their stuff online. It's pretty easy to digest. Um, I mean, there you can find statistics like for Seattle and other departments, but NYPD does a really good job of showing their statistics, and it's just been a dramatic improvement um, over the past fifty years. And it would be a tragedy to undo all of that. Um, in the in the name in the supposed name of social justice, we're going to double the murder rate. I don't get it. And you know, and I'm on Twitter arguing with activists, they they just wanna talk about how I'm not a real progressive because I spoke because I spoke to a conservative. Right. They they don't want to talk about the fact they don't want to talk about Chop, they wanna talk about Chaz. They don't want to talk about the murder rate doubling. Um, so, you know, I'm not gaining anything from writing that article. I just I want to ground the conversation and in fact, and we need to look at the facts. What works, what doesn't work.
0: I think that your opinion is more valuable than you're giving yourself credit for. Not only are you on the ground, not only are you a police officer, but you and I may see things politically differently. And what's missing from the dialogue right now is the dialogue. I think that if people can't have a conversation, you you and I can disagree on drug treatment. We can disagree on how to do that. But as long as we're able to say, okay, we can find common ground here, 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 and here, that's how problems get solved right now. Just because you disagree with them on one or two things, they don't consider yeah. you a progressive anymore.
1: And, and, and I you know, I think if somebody's passed out on drugs in the middle of the street, I think they should have to be checked in the hospital for a few days. And somebody who's more of a hard line may say, well, they need to go to jail and sober up or else. I mean, we both want the same thing. We both want the person to have a good life and flourish and not be miserable. Exactly. I think that so, translates so to the man. homeless
0: problem, too. Nobody wants these people sleeping in the parks. We want them to be in shelter. But the question yeah. is, what's the best way to do that without destroying the place they're going to, without them harming themselves once they're inside and getting the treatment they need?
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, as a big picture, as a society, to make progress and, uh, and to go forward as a society, the only tool we really have is to talk, to discuss it. Yeah, the only other thing is fighting and violence, and I don't want to do that. Um, they, there are some activists that are way out there that say, oh, everything's so horrible. You know, we need to have a revolution. I, I say be careful what you wish for. Um, things don't usually turn out well in revolutions, and usually for the revolutionaries themselves, they start killing each other. I mean, <laughs> it which, in the- which is exactly
0: what we saw in the occupied zone, and you know, yeah, there, there's yeah, one so- country that are in favor of owning guns; <laughs> the other group isn't. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go down that road at all because I think that if we end the experiment of the United States with something like a civil war, I, that's the worst thing that could happen.
1: And and you're hearing crazy talk like that, um, that uh, it's frightening to me. Um, I, I'm hoping cooler heads will prevail. You know, we had our city council made a promise to disband the police department on all these crazy things. And and then they ended up cutting the police department, you know, the budget 18%. So I'm cautiously optimistic that cooler heads will prevail, but 2020 has been a crazy year, and
0: I am just hope hope that 2021 uh, things will calm down. From your lips to God's ears, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being so open and willing to have the conversation, because I think, just like you said, that is one of the things that is needed most. I really appreciate being with us. All right. Uh, Good talk. Okay, (laughs) thank you. We'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor.